welcome and uh, we're going to be doing a, a two-part um, series here we're going to be looking at communion uh, sometimes known as uh, the Lord's Supper and we're going to be doing that in two parts uh, today we're looking at the question what is communion and, and why do we celebrate it then in the second part, we're going to talk about uh, how we go about uh, taking communion, uh, what's involved, uh, how we should approach it, uh, who should be involved in taking communion, the, those kinds of things. Uh, so today, the what and the why. And um, to help us answer that, we're going to turn to uh, the Bible. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Paul's letter. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to a, a group of believers at one of the early churches in a place called Corinth. So Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11. And um, I'm going to read to you from verse 17. So 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. Now, in giving this instruction, I do not pray to you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Indeed, it is necessary that there may be factions among you, so that those who are approved may be recognised among you. When you come together, then, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For at the meal, each one eats his own supper. So one person is hungry while another gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? No, I, I, I do not praise you in this matter. For I received, this is verse 23, and this is the main bit we're going to be looking at today. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant. My blood. Do this as often as you eat the as, as, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he... So the verses from verse 23 onwards, if you've been in a church when... Um, been at a church service when... People have been taking part in communion. Uh, you may well have heard uh, those words read out. Uh, they may have formed part of a liturgy, part of uh, what the, the, the pastor or the minister has said from, from the front of the church. Very well known words that take us back to uh, Jesus' last night before his betrayal, trial and execution on the cross. Uh, there is a little bit of context here, and we're going to go a bit more into that uh, next time. But the, the, the context is that Paul's written a letter to this very young church um, that has a lot going for it. 
highly gifted people, uh, people that are prophesying and speaking in tongues, that know God's word well, that are passionate about the good news. Uh, but also a church that has lots of problems. There's a lot of pride, and that leads to arguments and to division, factionalism within the, the church. Very early on, we've some people saying uh, that they are following one particular leader, and others say, no, we're in a group with another leader, and uh, they can't, can't get on with each other. There are other problems going on. There's, a, there's an issue of serious uh, sin in the church that has to be dealt with. And, and people are even, as part of this factionalism, they're even uh, going to court. They're taking out lawsuits against each other just to get the upper hand over others in the church. And that spills over into their gathering so that Paul says you're turning up and you're getting drunk and you are being gluttonous and you're being selfish. Uh, the wealthier people get in there first and, and eating everything and devouring uh, whilst... Uh, Often the poorer people, the servants that get along, discover that there's nothing left for them and they're going without. And that's the context in which Paul says, I want to tell you about what the Lord's table or the Lord's supper or communion really is meant to be. The, the meal that you should be eating, first thing to say about communion, is it's, it's a meal that is meant to be a kind of food to eat. And so, Paul takes them back to that night, the Thursday night before Good Friday. Uh, Jesus and his disciples um, were in Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, this was the Jewish festival when God's people gathered every year in Jerusalem to celebrate, to remember how God had rescued them from Egypt. Uh, you see, going right back to the, uh, the Old Testament, God's people were slaves of the Pharaoh in, in Egypt. And God had sent this man called Moses to rescue them, to deliver them out of Egypt, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And God was going to do that. He was going to send plagues uh, to um, oppose, uh, to weaken Pharaoh to force his hand if you like and then God was going to lead the people through uh, the Red Sea on dry ground parting the waters and then through uh, the desert the wilderness the Sinai Peninsula where they would be fed with bread from heaven manna uh, with quails uh, birds that turned up with water from a rock and then eventually God was going to lead them into a land that he had promised them and you can read all about that in the book of Exodus also in uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and then through about the arrival in the land in the book of Joshua. I encourage you to do that at your own leisure or to spend a bit of time looking at those Bible chapters as a, as a church together. That's what they were celebrating. Because on the night uh, that the people were led out of Egypt, God sent his final curse. His final judgment. He said that the firstborn sons, the Egyptians, would die, that he would send his angel of death to kill them. God was going to bring judgment for their sin and idolatry and their hostility to him and their persecution of his people. And just as they had sought to uh, to kill um, the, the uh, 
Israelite baby boys. Uh, just as they sought to wipe out Israel as a nation, to exterminate them, to commit genocide, in effect, to kill God's firstborn, God's son, so they were going to experience the same judgment. Uh, said that the people would be protected from this judgment. And the way that they would be protected was this. They were to take an animal, a lamb, one without blemish. They were to cook it and to eat it that night. Uh, they were to make bread, but because they were ready for a journey, ready in a hurry, they were not to leaven it. They were to make it quickly. They were to, having killed the, the lamb and prepared it to eat, they were to take its blood and sprinkle it or paint it on the doorpost of their house as a symbol to say that this house was covered by blood, that a death, a, a substitute death had already happened. that meal, eating a, a lamb together. There'd be other parts of the meal that they would eat, the, this unleavened bread. There'd be a, um, cups of wine to drink, different stages in the meal representing different things. And, and often in the meal, there would be a bit of a, a question and answer to get the, the oldest child to ask questions of the father. And he would answer and he would retell the story. It was an act of remembrance and it was an act of identifying with those events and the people of the, of the past to say that they were united in that meal, that God had rescued all of the people, that they themselves were rescued from death. After all, they were the descendants of those firstborn sons, so they would not have got to live if those sons had died in Egypt. So they too were saved by that meal. Jerusalem, Jesus is there. He knows that he's going to be betrayed, but he wants to eat the Passover meal one last time. So they would have had that meal, had the lamb ready to eat, all of the other different elements of the meal, questions and answers being uh, given, the story of God's redemption retold, and Jesus teaching his disciples, even at that stage. And that context in which Jesus does the things that Paul tells us about. Take some bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body given for you. And one of the cups of, of wine, he takes it and he shares it with them, gets them to drink from it. says this cup is it's the new covenant in my blood it's my blood it's um, a new agreement between God and his people this new way that God blesses you loves you forgives you and unites you reconciles you to himself Jesus does is he takes that Passover meal that had looked back to remember salvation in Egypt and he renews it, transforms it and says actually this is now about me and the, the food you eat and the, the wine you drink instead of pointing you back to Egypt meaning that you participate in that 
meal in that salvation long ago points you now to the salvation that I'm about to bring on the cross so that by eating and drinking it, you are saying that you participate in this new salvation, that you participate in my death and resurrection. Because my body is going to be given on behalf of you, my blood is going to be shed for you. Obviously, when we look at this, we see Jesus using that, that very strong language. This is my body. This is the new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. This is my blood, my body and my blood. Uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus had said that if you wanted to have eternal life, if you wanted to know God, you had to eat his flesh, eat his body and drink his blood. And the people were horrified because that sounded like cannibalism. Now, now clearly that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, um, as, as some traditions have treated it, that the bread and the wine somehow magically become his flesh, his skin, of his body and his blood we're not becoming cannibals this is not um, what we sometimes call transubstantiation there's something symbolic if you like metaphorical that the bread and the wine represent everything that his body and his blood represent. That's, that's very important at this stage. When we take communion, nothing magical is, is happening. Uh, you don't eat the bread and the wine to get some kind of magical protection from uh, demons or danger or spells or anything like that. What matters uh, is the spiritual thing that is happening. As I said, this is a meal, uh, but the focus is on spiritual food, not physical food. And the, the physical food is to help us eat the spiritual food. What do I mean by that? Well, I, I mean this. Jesus is, in effect, saying, just as he said to the disciples, if you... If you want to be part of me, if you want to belong to me, if you want to receive everything I have to offer, then it's like you have to eat me. Just as he said that in John, he's effectively saying the, the same here, that you are going to have to partake of me. That you're going to have to allow me to become one with you. Because that's what happens when uh, we eat food. We, we take the food and it becomes part of us. We benefit from it. And everything that it is and benefit from all of the nutrition nutrients and the goodness now and Jesus is really saying that in his bed that is that is what we need to do we need to take on what he offers to us and experience and take in all of the goodness of his love his mercy his forgiveness um, of his ability to make us complete and all to, all to perfect us, to sanctify us. That is what we need to do. And communion becomes this regular way of saying again that that is 
what I have done when I put my trust in Jesus, and this is my whole life now. Is that there is a sense in which Jesus is both the host who invites us to eat, the sense in which he is the meal itself, that we feed on him. Some of the communion liturgy used by the Anglican Church says that we feed on Christ in our hearts, and not that the bread and the wine become Jesus. Jesus is exalted in heaven, just as the bread and the wine wasn't going to become Jesus uh, when he was at the table then, because he was sat at the table with them. He was, he was eating the bread and drinking the wine himself. We do benefit from Christ just like we benefit from food. He is the one who gives himself to us so that we are strengthened by him. Of course, what that means is that we will need to make sure that the, the, the action, the, the visible action, that the edible action, the eating bread and drinking wine is not disconnected from God's word because God's word is also described as being bread, bread of life, food, spiritual food for us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus says in response to the temptation from uh, Satan. Uh, so, at communion, we will want to both have the food to eat, the wine, or something equivalent like grape juice to drink, and we want to read and take time to understand scripture together. So, more of that next time. But that's the, the key thing today. Communion is this very special thing that based on this meal that the the jews and the israelites had eaten looking back to salvation in egypt it is a a thing that we do together every week to remind us of god's salvation and to say again that we participate in it because we are united to christ next time we'll be looking at a bit more of the how we go about it